I'm Lindsay Dawson, Senior Promotions Manager here at the Press. In May, we'll release a new book by Bob Reisman titled, I Feel So Good, The Life and Times of Big Bill Brunzi. Reisman is a writer and documentary film producer based here in Chicago. This groundbreaking biography tells Big Bill's compelling life story and traces his career as one of the most important blues artists of the 20th century. As Pete Townsend says, back before it all caught fire, we heard Big Bill and we knew that music could tell the truth as well as entertain. Bob Reisman is our guest today on Chicago Audio Works and will answer a few questions about Big Bill and the book. Bob, what inspired you to write a biography of Big Bill Brunzi? I was looking for a project in blues and folk music, and I was reading histories and biographies in those areas, and I kept coming across references to Big Bill Brunzi, and he was clearly a significant figure in each of these realms. At the time, this was about 10 years ago, I knew virtually nothing about Big Bill Brunzi. I was a fan of music, but I didn't know him. So as I started listening to his music, that was really the first uh, point that grabbed me, was his warm singing, his expressive guitar playing, and then later, as I learned more, the versatility, where he was able to change styles over the course of his 30-year career. The next dimension that I think really impelled me to uh, turn this into a book, if it, if it could happen, was when I read his autobiography, Big Bill Blues, because he is a gifted storyteller. And he used his skills to talk about his origins, which he put in the context of the larger African-American experience. And I just thought, this is someone whose story, I believe, uh, may be of interest to a broader audience. And fortunately, the University of Chicago Press agreed. And where can you find Big Bill's influence in music today? The first place to look is in his songs. He wrote hundreds of songs, and a number of them have become blues standards. So if you listen to B.B. King, if you go to a B.B. King concert, B.B. King is likely to play Key to the Highway. Well, that's a Big Bill song. He co-wrote it. Uh, if you listen to Eric Clapton, uh, a standard in Eric Clapton's repertoire is Big Bill's song, Hey, Hey. Beyond that, there's the impact that he had. It's indirect, but it's powerful, on a set of musicians who were British teenagers in the 1950s when Bill was touring over in England. And Big Bill was the first blues man that they, many of them had listened to, had heard, and they saw him because when a documentary film about him was shown on British TV, they could see for themselves the full force of his charisma. Uh, and so uh, as each of them pursued uh, music from America, uh, including but not limited to blues, it really set them on their life's work. During your research, you were able to talk to some of these towering figures in rock and roll, like Pete Townsend, Ray Davies, and Eric Clapton. How were you able to gain access to these icons? At the point in my research, that I identified that if, if it was going to happen, now is the time to see if those interviews could be arranged. I'd been at it for a few years, so I had uh, contacts in the music world who were kind enough to pass along at least an email, a phone number. And uh, once I'd sent off the email or made the phone call, 
there was a period where I needed to be to hold fast to a few principles and the principles were be patient be persistent and be very polite because nobody owed anything to this project the level of responsiveness that I got was so uh, in, so gratifying and more than that each of the individuals internationally prominent who responded spoke of a personal connection that they felt with Bill. That Bill was someone who was both an initial inspiration and an ongoing source of musical delight. Of all of the revelations you were able to uncover about Big Bill, and there are so many in the book, which one was the most surprising to you? I guess I would say that the candor with which he expressed himself in his correspondence with people was something I didn't expect. He was a voluminous letter writer, uh, and that was an important lifeline for him in the 1950s, which was the period where he, he spent, uh, he made half a dozen trips to Europe, and so when he was in Europe, he was separated from friends and family in the States and vice versa. And he poured himself into his letters, whether it was uh, professional discussions about the next gig or the next uh, booking that might be arranged, uh, or personal matters. And in particular, uh, there's a series of letters he wrote to uh, friends in Europe when he was here in the States uh, about a relationship that he had had uh, with a, a French woman. He fell in love with her and they were together when he was in France. But then when he was back in the States for a couple of years, uh, the relationship, there were strains in the relationship and it ended. And to read his words as they go through pain and distress and really anguish, uh, it's poignant and moving. Previous accounts of Big Bill's life, including his own autobiography, have been fraught with inconsistencies and falsehoods. How do you sift through the fiction to determine how Big Bill actually lived? When I started my research for the book, I started with Bill's stories about his origins, about his family, about his life. And I identified my task, uh, if I were to write his biography, to find whatever documentation I could. And as my research continued, I found more and more discrepancies between the facts uh, and his descriptions. Meeting with family members, his family down in Arkansas, they shared with me family records, which told a very different story, for example, uh, than he had. But it's a very important point uh, to recognize, and it, it was something that I uh, tried to focus on in the book was I think to be to do full justice to Bill's story you need both. What do you think Big Bill would have to say about all the interest in his life in the 21st century? I think he'd be thrilled. Uh, he was a master of marketing and promotion. When he arrived in London for the first time in uh, September of 1951 he didn't just come and play a concert, although he played concerts that people found um, tremendously exciting and galvanizing for his music musicianship. But when he spoke with the British press, particularly the, the writers um, for the jazz newspapers, which was the primary source by which his story was going to come out, 
he was an, he presented himself as an authority not just on the music but on the world that the music came from. Bob Reisman's book, I Feel So Good, The Life and Times of Big Bill Brunzi, will be published by the University of Chicago Press in May and available in fine bookstores everywhere. For more about this book and our other books, visit our website at www.press.uchicago.edu. This has been an episode of Chicago Audio Works, the podcast of the University of Chicago Press. Additional episodes of Chicago Audio Works are available from iTunes and other podcast aggregators. Your comments and questions about this podcast are always welcome. The podcast email address is publicity at press.uchicago.edu. Thanks for listening.